Today, by the mercies of God, I conclude the series that I started a few weeks ago titled The God That Collapses Time. Straight to business this morning. May I also remind you that Ablaze Conference, our annual conference is around the corner. We've not been talking much about it at the dawn service, and I know some of you come only to the dawn service, so you want to be informed. Ablaze around the corner about three weeks from now, October the 13th to 16th, Thursday to Sunday, is our annual youth conference. It promises to be um, a life-transforming encounter. Ablaze is the place of encounter. Testimonies abound especially in the area of transformation of lives. I remember some of the souls that were won last year and some of them that are still with us up until now. God is faithful and um, his name alone be forever praised. So please prepare your heart. The number one preparation for a blaze is in your heart. Prepare your heart. How? Begin to say to the Lord, I want you to encounter me at a blaze. In Genesis 28, 16, the Bible says that Jacob awoke out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. It is possible for God to be in a place and you don't know it. It is possible for God to be in a meeting and you miss him. May you not miss him this time in the name of Jesus. So a blaze is the place of encounter. So please prepare your heart. In Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, the Bible says Ezra prepared his heart to know the statutes of the Lord and to teach it, to know it, to do it, and to teach in Israel the statutes and the judgments of God. So preparation of the heart is very, very important. In Proverbs, I believe, 18 or 16 and verse 1, it says the preparation of the heart is in man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. When the Lord sees the preparation of our heart, it will bring an answer of the tongue. So we must be hungry for God. And say, Lord, there are issues in my life that need to go and they have to go at this ablaze. There are things, there are encumbrances, there are hindrances to my serving you faithfully, to my serving you meritoriously. There are hindrances in my spiritual walk with you. I want them to drop because one encounter with God can never be compared to a lifetime of struggle. There are many things we struggle with that only an encounter answers to. One encounter let it not be yet another program. Let it not be yet another event. Let it be the place of encounter. No man encounters God and remains the same. Nobody. Check through history. Nobody encounters God and remains the same. When Moses encountered God, his life changed. Even his body changed. They could not look at him anymore. They said, please wear a veil because he was shining forth the glory of God. One encounter is all you need. One genuine encounter. Let it be at a blaze. In the name of Jesus. So please prepare your heart and the Lord will meet with you in Jesus' name. All right. This morning we go again to our main text. Psalm 31 verse 15 and John 16, 16 to 25. The book of Psalms chapter 31 and verse 15. And then we'll go to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John chapter 6 from verse 16. In Psalm 31 and verse 15, David the psalmist, the psalmist of Israel, said, My times 
are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Obviously and evidently, he was going through a tough time at this point in his life. And David was a man who understood also that in a man's life there are times and seasons. And he said to God, my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies. It looked as though he was in the hand of his enemies at that time. He said, so rescue me from the hand because you can. And know you can do all things. And he said, from them that persecute me. Let's go quickly to John chapter 6. From verse 16 all the way to 25. The gospel of St. John chapter 6. From verse 16 to 25. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. And entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. Jesus lived in Capernaum. The disciples lived with him in Capernaum. He had a home there. They had finished the meeting and they were waiting for him. But he had gone apart into a mountain to spend time alone with God. After he had performed the miracle of feeding 5,000. Feeding a multitude actually with five loaves and two fishes. After that, he went alone to be with the Father, to commune with the Father. And so when they waited for him and they didn't see him, and it was getting dark, they headed home. Verse 18, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed, they had traveled on the water about three to four miles, five and twenty or thirty-four longs, miles. They see Jesus walking on the sea. And drawing nigh unto the sheep, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Verse 22, the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one where that one wherein to his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the sea, or into the boat rather, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that, the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum. They came to look for him at home, seeking for Jesus. Verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? When did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. The miracle, amongst other miracles in this chapter, was the miracle of collapsing time to reach their destination in no time. The moment he got into the boat or the ship. The ship got to destination. Talk about the God that collapses time. I had given us quite a number of thoughts along these lines that the Lord gave me. Number one, I said to us that God created time 
Time is a creature of God. And everything that God created is good. Every good gift proceeds from God. James 1.17. Number two, I said to Ross that amongst my discoveries, I found out that God does have specific time allotted to certain things that he does. For example, uh, the example of a childbirth, when a woman gets pregnant and then is given birth, that period has been allotted nine months and so many other events in our lives. Our lifetime is supposed to be 120. God said so. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. Genesis 6, 3. Now, number 3. I also discovered that in the wisdom of God, he permits certain things to happen at certain seasons, specific seasons. God causes the rain to fall in the time of rain. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Because there's a time of the latter rain. God has positioned certain things to happen in certain seasons. Amen. And this is why we ought to relax. This is why we ought to put our faith and our trust in God. Because every man will blossom in their season. The mango should not be crying. Because orange is blossoming now. Don't, don't cry. You are not supposed to cry. Because your own time and season is coming. Can I have an amen to that? In uh, Psalm 1 verse 3, it says, He bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Number four, I said to us also, I discovered that God himself changes the times and the seasons. God has the capacity, the ability, he created time so he can change it. Now, what makes him change it? Those are things to discuss later. But God does change times and seasons. So if you're in a time and a season where you are not very comfortable, you don't like what is happening around you, you might need to talk to God. You might want to take the wisdom of God to talk to God and say, Lord, I want the change of the times and seasons. Because according to Psalm 126, the Bible says, when the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion were like them that dream. So God turns the captivity of his people. God changes the times and seasons. Daniel 2.21, Daniel said to us that God changes the times and the seasons. Now five, which is where I'm going, which is the crux of this entire series. Point number five is that God, I have discovered from the Bible that God collapses time. Oh yeah, does he do that? Yes, he does. In the, the text that we read in John chapter 6, the Bible says that as soon as Jesus entered into the boat, he collapsed the time of travel. I don't know how many miles they were supposed to travel further. To get to Capernaum, I don't know how long it would take. But I knew it was quite a journey. That was why they took the ship. If it was within walking distance, why take a ship? Why travel over the seas? They traveled over sea. Those were not the days. They had the technology of airplanes. If they had that technology that time, they would have used that means of transportation. So the only means of transportation to travel from country to country at that time was the boat, the ship. And the moment Jesus entered... The remaining travel time was collapsed. I pray for someone that Jesus will step into your situation. The God that collapses time. Now the question this morning, there is no question about whether he collapses time or not. Because we have other examples in the Bible. In John chapter, chapter 6 also, and in verse 6, when he saw the multitude, and he looked at them. They came to him, and he had compassion on them. I said, look, I want to feed these people. Then he asked Philip, Philip, where do we buy bread to feed these people? 
they've come to hear my word, but I want to feed them also. Jesus does not just take care of you spiritually. He also takes care of your financial and material provision. Are you with me? Are you with me this morning? So the gospel that tells us to only embrace the spiritual things of God and not the other things that God has to offer is an incomplete gospel. Also, the gospel that tells us to just collect, collect, collect from God material things and not the spiritual things that really matter is an incomplete gospel. The complete gospel is to take the totality of the package that Jesus has come to offer us. So Jesus said, Philip, where do we buy bread to feed this multitude? Philip said, if we are to buy 200 penny worth of bread, it won't be enough to go down. Consider the resources that will be deployed into feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 men. One. Two, they were away from town. Consider the time it would take to empty different bakeries because they would have to empty, literally empty different bakeries around town to bring bread to the people. Consider the efforts. Consider the transportation and the logistics. Jesus saved them all of that. <laughs> ah, glory be to God. That's why I don't like the word hustle. When people say that they are hustling. A child of God is not supposed to hustle. A child of God is supposed to work. And work hard. And work smart. But you are not supposed to hustle. Hustle is from the word toil. Toil. When you toil in Yoruba is lakaka. When you struggle, that's a curse. If you go to Genesis, when Adam fell and God came down, one of the things God said to him was, out of the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. That's hustle. So be careful with your language. When the people of the world say they have their side hustle, they have their main hustle, don't join them to say that. You have your work. You have your chain of businesses. In fact, can I give you a better word? You have a chain of flourishing businesses. Can I have an amen? amen? Call your business flourishing and it will begin to flourish. Numbers 14, 21. That which I hear them say in my hearing will I do unto you. It is what you say I will do. Not what someone else says about you or to you. What you say will I do. I call myself blessed and highly favored. I call my chain of businesses my chain of flourishing businesses. Can I have an amen? Out of your sweat. That is hustle. And Christ has redeemed us from hustle. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He had been made a curse for us for it is written, curse everyone that hanging on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on us, the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. When did we get delivered from hustle? On Calvary, over 2,000 years ago. So we work, we're not lazy. We work, we do business, and we flourish. Can I have an amen? I said we flourish. They said Nigeria is tough, but we flourish, amen? And we prosper, amen? So where do we buy bread? Jesus saved them all the hustle in one act of supernatural intervention. One act, it collapsed time. The time to travel to go and look for bread. The time to go and withdraw money from ATM. The time to go. <laughs> the time to get logistics, to get trucks, to hire trucks, to bring bread to about 20,000 people. I don't think a small car will do that, man. A Toyota Camry, will, your biggest SUV can't do that. It won't make one trip. To bring enough bread 
For 20,000 people, look at all the logistics. What man cannot accomplish in a lifetime, God accomplishes in one microsecond. Did you hear what I said? That is the God that collapses time. That's why I advise young people, I advise you, spend time with God. What you cannot do for yourself, what your hustle cannot achieve in a hundred years time, God will do for you in one microsecond. One phone call, one link, one email, one meeting, one person, it's done. It pays to serve God. Peter, uh, Philip said, <laughs> if we buy 200 penny worth of bread, almost a year's salary, it won't be enough to feed them. In fact, not just to feed them, that they may take a little bit, a bite, that they may take just a little. Say, so, let's buy 200, one year's salary to buy bread, it won't be enough for each of them to take just a little. Imagine the volume of resources that will be deployed into that. In verse 6, the Bible says, this is said in order to prove him. Jesus said that in order to prove Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. May you know what to do. <laughs> Somebody just received that. That is the wisdom of God. To know what to do. He said it in order to prove Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus is never short of ideas. He will never sit you down and ask you, please, advise me. What do you think I should do about this, your situation? No. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, if you need wisdom, you ask him. James 1.5, does any of you lack, does any man lack wisdom? Let him ask of God, who give it to all men, liberally. And our brethren or Anish shall give it to him. He is the source. Psalm 36 verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. And in your life shall we see light. So talk about God collapsing time. He's done that several. He did that in this condition, in this situation. Oh, somebody, Andrew said, there's a little boy here with five loaves and two fishes. He took them from the boy. He blessed it. He gave thanks. And then he began to distribute to the disciples. And the disciples began to distribute to the people. They said, make the men sit down. They sat down. And there was much grass in the place. That alone, another miracle. And then they began to distribute. They began to distribute. They began to distribute. Five loaves didn't finish. Two fishes didn't finish. When you put any little that you have in the hands of God, it doesn't finish. Put your little talent in the hands of God, it will never finish. Put your resource in the hand of God, it will never finish. Put whatever you have in his hands. He gave you in the first place, and then he's looking at you, and then when you put, put it back in his hands, it begins to multiply. Can I have an amen? Saute! Saute! They had 12 baskets left over. My God is not broke. Are you with me this morning? Your father is not broke. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> Glory be to God. Glory be to God. He collapsed time. Collapsed everything and fed the people. And then afterwards, Jesus knew that these people might come and forcefully make him a king. After the people had eaten, they said, of a truth, this is the prophet that should come from God. Food is powerful. Food evangelism is one of the most effective. Invite people say, well, we have a dinner in our church where we just want to, you know, just enjoy. People that can afford the meal, they will come. Those who cannot afford will come. Food is very attractive. Even in London, where food is not a problem, senior pastor said, organize a meeting where you say free lunch. They will come. <laughs> they will bring their fat Bible they've not read in a long time. 
So the fact that God or the truth that God collapses time is unquestionable. Do you agree with me this morning? Does God collapse time? Now, why does he collapse time? This is where we are going to conclude this series. Why does he collapse time? Number one, he does that for us to reckon with his sovereignty and reverence him. God collapses time in order for us to reckon with his sovereignty and to reverence him, to give him the reverence that is due his name. God is God. Listen, he is to be feared. And when I say feared, I don't mean like we fear a rattlesnake. God is to be reverently worshipped, reverently adored. That is the meaning of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not the same fear you, you exhibit when you see a snake or when you see a dog or when you see a wild animal. No, the fear of God is in the heart. It is, it, it is separating God apart in your heart to honor him and say, I would have done this, but because of God, I will not do this. That's the fear of God. I would have slapped you, but ah, how would God feel? So I, I walk away. I would have stolen that money because I needed it badly. Ah, oh God, you know how badly I need money. I'm not going to take this because I fear you. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? God is to be feared and adored. He is not our houseboy that we order around. No. So when he comes upon the scene sometimes and displays a little bit of his almightiness, everyone adjusts. Even those who deny him. When God steps upon the scene, hey, even the atheists and the agnostics they say, uh, we, we, we know. They deny him with their mouth, but in their heart, ah, uh, there must be somebody up there. Some of them calling the man upstairs. Are you with me this morning? When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. John 6, 19. They had left. Say, well, we don't know how master will come, but they had left. And the next thing they knew, after they had traveled three to four miles, he covered three to four miles in maybe just one or two steps. By the time they lifted up their eyes, he was already very close to the ship. That was even one of the reasons they were so afraid because he was so up close. He was so up close. Ah! He said, hey, guy, come on now. It's all right. Don't be afraid. Calm down. And while they were trying to calm down, they willingly received him into the ship. As he entered the ship, they got to the destination. Ah, Oga, well, what do you think happened to them? Do you think their estimation of him remained the same? Do you think the respect they had for him remained on the same level? Before that miracle and after? They had seen the miracle of feeding. They said, okay, well, we don't know, but he did it. He fed, right? But that's different from collapsing time. Zah! They got to their destination. Ah! Oh, God, we don't even need ship again. <laughs> Let's just tag along with you. Anywhere we are going, we, talk, we will hold your, 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 your prayer shawl. Because Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and he's still a rabbi. Praise God, amen. And they wear prayer shawl. Let's just hold your prayer shawl. As you step on the water, we step on the water too. We know you are not going to sing. We get to our destination. Talk about the God that collapses time. Now, when he does that, sometimes it's for us to reverence him. For us to know, because many of us are so used to God that we don't even care. People have become so used to God, they have no reverence for God. People do things in the house of God you will never believe. 
Come to the house of God. You don't do that in the court of law. When you're in the court of law, you are serious. When you're in the court of God, people get on their phones. They're pinging their friends. The pastor is preaching and sweating. The choir is leading worship. Some people don't care. How do we reverence God? How do we honor God? It's from our heart. Are you with me this morning? So when it comes upon the scene like this, you, you, your mindset will adjust. You yourself will adjust. Ah, God is real, oh. God is here, oh. God is around, oh. Imagine being in a worship service and during the worship is an earthquake. Doesn't destroy anything. Doesn't destroy anybody. But the building shook. After that service, you'll not remain the same again. You say, nah, God is real. Amen? Are you with me this morning? So sometimes he shows up. He collapses time for us to know. He's sovereign and we must reckon with that sovereignty. He created time now. He created water. So water cannot swallow his creator. That's why when Jesus walked on water, water was like land, was like ground to him because he made it. How dare you ground swallow your maker? Even when he died and he surrendered himself and they buried him by the third day, the earth had to spew him out because the earth could not swallow its maker. Oh, grave, where is your power? Oh, death, where is your victory? He's too big for the grave to swallow. Death could not hold him captive. Even in the grave, Jesus is still Lord. Can I have an amen to that? When God, that's why sometimes when I look at the way some people talk and some of our politicians, I say they don't know God. They don't know the God we serve. They talk as if they own the world. They talk as if they own our lives. Hey, if you know our God, you will fear a little bit. Let me give you a little bit of the resume of God. Exodus 20. Quickly, Exodus 20 from verse 18. When God called Moses and said, come, I want to give you the commandments. The Israelites were not far from God. They were not far from Moses. And listen, the Bible said when God began to speak, come on now, you are not making this. Make my job easy for me, please. I beg you. Let this screen work. Oh, you change it. We are blessed in Jesus' name. And the people saw the thunderings. It's coming on and off. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Exodus 20, 20, 20, and verse 18. As God was speaking, are you with, are you with me in your Bible? All right. Exodus 20, Exodus 20, why are you sandwiched? <laughs> verse 18, verse 18 now. And all the people, now God had given them the commandment. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. that. Now, in verse 20, it says, And all the people saw the thunderings and lightnings, the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet. So there are trumpets in heaven. Hello? David, can you quickly, one minute, blow your trumpet, let us hear what a trumpet sound or what a trumpet sounds like. Trumpet from heaven. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to read that verse again. And all the people saw the thunderings with no thundering. And the lightnings, then thunder, and the noise of the trumpet. Now, make noise with that trumpet. God bless you. They heard that from heaven. And somebody told you that 
Heaven, there are no mansions in heaven. Hypergrace gospel. They say, when the Bible says that Jesus said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to build a mansion. In my father's house, there are many mansions. That Jesus wasn't talking about literal, physical mansions. He was talking about something spiritual. He was talking about inside God. We'll be living inside the tummy of God. Small, small boys in UI. If there are trumpets in heaven, don't you think there'll be buildings in heaven? That's a material thing that we cannot. Please bring your trumpet. Let me touch it, whether it's spiritual or, or material. Is this something I can touch? Is it tangible? Quickly, quickly, David. God bless you. Hey, God is real. Amen? And heaven is real. Is this trumpet real? My God, this is a trumpet, man. It's real. The Bible says they heard the noise of this from heaven. They didn't see who was blowing the trumpet. But when they have the noise and the sound of a trumpet, they could recognize one. When chariots came from heaven to ferry Elijah home, 2 Kings chapter 2, were they spiritual horses? If they were spiritual horses, Elijah would not have seen them. They were real physical chariots and horses. When we get to heaven, you will find that heaven is a real place like this, like this earth, that you can touch, you can, you can stand on. And the Bible talks about the streets of heaven. That means there's a layout. There are streets. There are beautiful estates and mansions. That's why when a Christian goes home, they don't want to come back because it's real to them. They're in another country. Just like that. It's like in another country. Somebody just left the body and zoom, found himself in America. In Bowie, Maryland. Or somewhere very nice in Florida. And you are here. No, come back in the name of Jesus. Come back to Nigeria. Say, eh? That's America. So that's why I give kudos to auntie. People like her are very rare. Who say, ah, no, I'll leave America and come to Nigeria. No, you know how many Nigerians want to go to America? With one day visa. One day visa. Just let me enter. Just to enter. They are not planning to come back. Just let me enter. When a Christian gets to heaven, goes home, that's why it's tough to get them back. You know why? To you, you think they are dead. But to them, they are alive. Very well. And there is no sickness and there is no pain. And there is no night. Everywhere is bright and beautiful. This place is dust to them. Very dirty, stinking ghetto and trenches. The most beautiful country on earth is dirty compared to the beauty of heaven. I'm just telling you about the materiality of heaven and the tangibility of heaven. God bless you. Please put your hands together for David this morning. We're talking about the CV of God. Hey, when he shows up, <laughs> lightnings and the noise of the trumpet what else did they see? And the mountain smoking. Not that this mountain was smoking cigarette, all right? 
Kofagbo. Smoke was coming from the mountain. Why? The Bible says, and when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. That's King James English. They removed. You know what that means? They ran away. What? And then they stood afar off. Well, Moses, be talking to God, please. You, you. They said, don't let God talk to us, otherwise we die. Because every time God spoke, it was accompanied with the noise of the thunder, with the lightnings. Have you seen some lightnings that scared you? It didn't even thunder, just the lightning. I mean, and it goes like it has roots, stop roots. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's really the one that comes, that starts with a spark. It's like something is clicking somewhere. And you see it spread across the sky. Hey! You know what follows after that lightning? The people saw that. They saw the thunderings. They heard the noise of the trumpet. Trumpet. They looked around. Nobody's holding the trumpet here. It was coming from heaven. They ran off. They stood afar off. Verse 19. And they said to Moses, Speak thou with us, please, and we will hear. We were deaf before, but now we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Don't let God. Ah! They feared God that day. She said they were very stubborn. Very recalcitrant. Because Moses will give them, just said the Lord, do this. Say, no, I don't know. What, 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 what do you mean? Eat manna. Give us, give us chicken. We miss the garlic and the onions of, of Egypt. So God said, okay. Let me give you the commandments. They had the voice of God. They said, Moses, please, please, talk to us. We will hear. Don't let God talk to us again. We don't want God to talk to us. Otherwise, we would die. Look at verse 20, and that's where I stop. And Moses said unto the people, fear not. He said, eh? we fear, oh. we fear. He said, fear not too. Fear not too. What about Moses that went up to the mountain alone with God? Moses said, fear not. He said, for God is come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. So that you will know the reality of God. You know that God is real. When it comes upon the scene and collapses time, one of the reasons it does so is that we may fear before him. We may reference him and reckon with his sovereignty. That's why he walked on water to catch up with them. He was just done with, in a meeting with the father and he decided to collapse time of journey. He did only collapse his own time because he walked on the sea. When he got into the boat, the same anointing carried them to their destination. Look at Psalm 29. How did I know that God was speaking to them? Psalm 29, the psalmist captured the voice of God. When God is speaking, what happens? I'm showing us the, some of the resume of God this morning. The Bible contains the resume of God. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Verse 3. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. Aha. Uh -huh. The voice, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. Kaya. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. 
Make them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to carve an animal. That's an animal. It gives birth at the voice of the Lord. And discovereth the forest. And in his temple don't everyone speak of his glory. That's why we shout glory in the temple of the Lord. The Lord seated upon the, on the, upon the flood. Yea, the Lord seated king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Can I have an amen to that? That's part of the resume of God. Look at what the voice of the Lord accomplishes. It breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. It discovers the forest. It makes the forest bare. Our dakpari, our dakpari, it makes the forest bare by his voice. His voice thundered. His voice upon many waters. What is that enemy? Who is that enemy threatening your life? One thing, the only thing you need is the voice of the Lord. One voice from God. Your enemies are silenced forever. Someone said they have juju. Ah, don't, don't go near that man. No, he has, he has juju. Has he met my God? Let me show you a little bit of my God. Psalm 114. Go there very quickly. I love the psalmist. He meditated so much in the word of God that God gave him inspirations. Psalm 114 from verse 1. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was a sanctuary and Israel is dominion. The sea saw it and fled. <laughs> Jordan was driven back. What did they see? They saw God. The sea saw God and ran away. Jordan saw God and put his gear in reverse. River Jordan. Verse 4. The mountains skip like rams and the little hills like lambs. What ail thee, O thou sea, that thou fledest? Thou Jordan, that thou was driven back. Kiloshir, ye mountains that ye skip like rams and ye little hills like lambs. What, what's wrong with you? Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a standing water and the flint into a fountain of waters. That's the resume of my God, part of it. When you see my God, you will tremble. Jordan saw him for the first time. Jordan said, Mugbe, I'm in trouble. He ran. He was, the Bible said he was driven back. He put his gear in reverse. Zoom! Ah! When the mountains saw him, they began to skip. Today we're in trouble. We're in trouble. The little hills, they skip like rams. The sea saw him and fled. <laughs> Where are you running to? The psalmist asked Nesbah, say, what ailed thee, O sea, that thou fledest? Oh, LD, that's King James English. What's wrong with you? That you're running back. Kilo Shia, you were okay. There's Shidi. Kilo Shia, you were Jordan into Sakpada. One politician now says he's the one that owns Nigeria. Who are you? Have you met my God? Have you, have you, have you ever met my God? Have you met him? They talk as if they own our lives. They will see God very soon. Because this country, I'm very passionate about this country. This country must be free. I said this country must be free. Next year, we will breathe fresh air. People talk like, without me, you can't, do, you can't be anything. You can't get anywhere. Who are you now? You are the most powerful politician. You are the richest man in your family. You are the second best thing or next best thing after the invention of a bicycle. Eh? Who are you? This is why even we as Christians, we should be humble. When God is using you to bless people, whether financially, materially, spiritually, you should be humble because you are not the source. God is the source. 
Don't be walking around like a crab. They greet you. Hello, good morning, sisters. Yeah. Hi, morning. Morning. What is wrong with the good? Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning. Morning. Like you put everybody together. <laughs> Have you seen God? When you encounter God once, you will never be the same again. It's one of the reasons it collapses time. For people to know that, look, I created time. I can make it. I can bring 10 years into one millisecond. 10 years. So what it normally should take you 10 years to achieve, God can give you one day. Are you with me this morning? Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. In the ministry of Jesus, we saw and we still see God collapsing time through the gift of the working of miracles. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11, speaks about the nine gifts of the Spirit. If you have not been coming to Bible study, you have missed a lot. Go online. I think I have about 17 episodes already on that. Somebody was telling me. She watched online on Thursday and said, Pastor, I'm going to watch the entire 17 episodes that I missed. She's not even a member of this church. These gifts are three. They are nine in number. They are in three categories. Three of them say something. Three of them do something. Three of them reveal something. One of the three gifts that do something, one of the power gifts, the best of them, or the most potent of them, the most relevant of them is the gift of special faith. Next to that is the gift of the working of miracles. This actually, when, when Jesus deploys it into any situation, that is when he works miracles. The gift of special faith does not work a miracle. It receives a miracle. But the gift of the working of miracles actually works a miracle. It produces a miracle. So when Jesus stepped on water and walked on water, that was the gift of the working of miracles in action. When he got in the boat and collapsed time for them, that was the gift of the working of miracles in action. And I pray that in this church, in each of our lives, this gift will begin to manifest. In this season, God will collapse time for us. He will deploy this gift into operation such that things that normally should take us a long time will begin to happen very suddenly in the name of Jesus. A better amen. This, through the ministry of this gift, through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, we often have a display of God's omnipotence and almightiness. It does certain things to the utter consternation of the people. Utter const- Doctors might have given up on the situation. I said, this person, give him three days, he'll be gone. And by the second day, the person gets up and says, I want a bowl of Amala, please, I'm very hungry. That's a miracle right there. That's God collapsing time. Hallelujah. Our God is not small. Our God is great. That's why we need to learn to relate to him in a proper way. In Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2, it says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mount of his holiness. Beautiful for situation is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Our God is a great king. So when we come to him, approach him like a great king. Don't go to church like, I just want to go and see my boyfriend. No, he's not your boyfriend. Go to him like, God, I need you today. I want a word from you. I want a touch from you. God is more than able. Amen? Revelation 19 verse 6. Our God is omnipotent. I said I had the voice as of a multitude singing and crying. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Lord God, omnipotent, reigneth. Hallelujah. Number two, why does God collapse time? There are three points, and I will end it. Because he is a God of speed. Someone says a God of speed. 
says the God of speed. That's one of the reasons he collapses time. When God wants to get something done, I tell you, he gets it done. Nobody can stop him. Not even you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You may choose to limit him in your life, but when he wants to get things done around you and the lives of other people, nobody can stop God. And he does it very quickly. He does it very quickly. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 4, 11 or 4, 12, the word of God is quick and powerful. Well, if you look at that in another translation, it could say the word of God is living and active. Yeah? Quick and, no, no, no. Did I get that right? Get it for me. 412. Check 412. 412. Yes. For the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God is not slow. It's quick. Whether you say quick in being fast or quick in being alive, both of them. Both of them. The word of God is not slow. How did I know that? Go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 147 verse 15. Psalm 147 verse 15. I want that on the screen, please. Psalm 147 verse 15. I can quote it, but I want you to read it. Psalm 147 verse 15. He sends forth his commandment to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. KJV says his word runneth very swiftly. Give it to me in NIV. NIV, please. NIV. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Now give it to me in NLT. New Living Translation. He sends his orders to the world. How swiftly his word flies. When God sends his word, it flies. How swiftly. And some say, God is slow. God is slow, Jerry. That's why I want to do Yahoo and make money quickly. Because how many years will somebody even live safe? That you'll be living your life in poverty. You see the lie of the devil? The devil told you you're not going to live long. The devil told you he sold a lie to you that God is slow. This is the word of God. Does this look like God is slow? Does it look like God is slow? Come and talk to me. Does it look like God is slow? He sends his commandment upon the earth. KJV says, his word runneth very swiftly. Whose bolt cannot catch up with the speed of the word of God. NLT says, his word flies. Toby Amosan cannot come near the speed of the word of God. Thank God for these people. If mere mortals like that can run, can you imagine the word of the almighty God? His word arrives in your future before you get there. That's why when you put your words, his words in your mouth and speak it over your life, your words also arrive in your future before you get there, before you eventually get there. I will be great. I will be successful. God will use me. I am anointed. I am blessed and highly favored. You, you get to the future and you discover all this is happening. How come they are happening? You said them yesteryears. And you kept saying them. If I may, but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made. If I may, but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made. She had not yet touched the hem of his garment. But when she eventually touched it, she was made. Why? Because I was arrived in the future before she got there. If you lie, because of yourself, I'm a hustler. I struggle a lot. Oh, I swear. Ah, me. I'll be, I'll be also, also. May, may, may God deliver you from that in the name of Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Say with me, God is not slow. God is a God of speed. His word is not slow either. Second Peter 3 9. God is not slow concerning his promises as some count slackness, but God is patient with you that all may not be destroyed, but come to repentance. God is not slow concerning his promises. As he promised you, he will deliver what he promised. God is not slow. Somebody say with me, God is not slow. I'm not convinced the way you are saying it this morning. 
I'm preaching better than you are responding this morning. Let it sink in your spirit. Ah, Fred, God is not slow. God is not slow. In Genesis 27 verse 20, Isaac told his son, he assumed he was talking to the brother of Jacob, Esau. Go and make me venison. And in no time, the supposed Esau came back and he could perceive the smell of the barbecue and the pepper soup. The grilled meat, grilled bush meat. He said, ah, ah, my son. In verse 20, how come you have got it so quickly? And Jacob the supplanter, the 419, who knew that his father feared God so much and his father knew God very well. He said, Dad, the Lord your God brought it to me. And Isaac believed. You know why he believed? Because Isaac was not a doubter. Isaac believed in the ability of God to bring things very quickly. I pray for someone this week. That thing you have been laboring for, running after, chasing after, God will bring it to you in the name of Jesus. Three weeks ago, or four weeks ago, something I've been believing God for, running after, chasing after, praying for, kneeling down, saying, oh Lord, when is it coming? Oh, I, I went after it. Sunday night, the Holy Spirit said to me, go to your friend's place. He's in distress. He reached out to you. You sent him money. Money is not enough. Go and pray with him. Pray with him. Don't always send money. Don't throw money at every situation. He needs Jesus. Talk to him. Pray with him. So I went to his house. I talked to him a little bit. For three hours, he was talking. I was saying, mm, okay. Uh, uh, how? Uh, really? Okay. Hmm. 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. A quarter to 11, my head began to swing from one end of the pendulum to the other. I said, oh, God, ah, ah, really? Okay. I said, the wife even left us in the midst of the conversation and went to the room. We live on the same estate. So, I said, when I got up to go, I said, let us pray. All these things you have told me now, I have no solution. But I know someone that has a solution. You might be looking at me and think, ah, Pastor Fred, he can pull some. I have nothing to pull but God. Prayer is the slender nerve that pulls the muscles of omnipotence. I said, so let us pray. He said, okay. He knelt down. I knelt down with him. Committed him to Christ. Prayed, prayed. As thanking God that God, you've answered us. As he was seeing me off, we got to the point where I said, okay, we live on the same estate. We have walked halfway, halfway back to your house, halfway forward journey to my house. I said, now, let us depart in peace. we we'll see next weekend. And then he just mentioned something. And it was what I've been looking for. For months. I said, say that again. He said, I don't even have money to pursue it. The opportunity came, but... Uh, yeah. I said, what? Do you know so, 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 so? He said, no. Do you know so, so, so? He said, no. Do you know that if you do this and do that, and it can be equal to so, so? He said, ah, you're just opening my eyes. I don't know. I said, you don't even know what to carry. Now, call that person. In England, and say that I said so, 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 so. Monday morning, I was done praying six to seven morning prayer. His call came in at about seven thirty. Hello, Pastor. I said yes, my brother. I call him Bishop. I said Bishop because of the Anglican communion. He said, he said that thing that you said. I called the person in England. He said so, 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 so that we can do so, so, so. I said, hey, did I not tell you? When are you going to see me? He said, Ah, I'm seeing you now. The rest is history. What I had been looking for 
was in the hands of someone else who, had, who, knew, no, who knew nothing about the value of what he had. And the Lord said to me, go. I said, ah, I'm tired. Sunday after preaching two services, I will now do prayer, small prayer, then counseling, 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 counseling. My first meal comes at about 2.30, p.m. On, on a regular Sunday. By 5 p.m., I'm already worn out like used shoes. And the Lord said, go. I said, well, Lord, I will go. What I had been looking for came looking for me. That is, in fact, that was the Sunday I called you guys out and I said, I was going to pray for speed. If some of you will remember that we were deploying by faith into operation the, the gift of the working of miracles. And I was prophesying supernatural acceleration. Supernatural acceleration. Yeah, we've got some testimonies along that line, but I didn't know that. I was even praying for myself. It was that night. So sometimes, your miracle also can be in trying to help other people. When you light other people's candles, you don't lose any light. You multiply your light. Can I have an amen? Some of you have information that can bless the church, bless another brother, bless his, you hold it. You hold it until the information which is an opportunity expires and it benefits nobody. I have learned. Are you with me this morning? God is the God of speech. First Kings 18, 46. When the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, the Bible says he outran the chariot of Ahab unto the entrance of Jezreel. Why? Because the God of speech came upon him. May the hand of the Lord come upon you. I said, may the hand of the Lord come upon you. Number three, number three, why does God collapse time? Because of his compassion. God is compassionate. God loves his people. God loves everyone. God really wants people everywhere to experience and to encounter his love. That is his nature. 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16 tells us that God is love. God is love. He collapses time for his people so that they may experience his love, encounter the compassion of his heart. Are you with me this morning? In Lamentations 3, 21 to 23, he said this, I recall to mind that I have hope. It is of the lost message we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His compassions fail not. God is a compassionate God. God is a compassionate God. Therefore, it collapses time for his people in their favor, in their interest. In John chapter 5, verses 6 to 9, there was a man who had been there by the pool of Bethesda. For 38 years. When Jesus showed up, it collapsed time. It collapsed 38 years into one second. In fact, one microsecond. The man had been there looking for healing for 38 years. Jesus came in one moment. Rise up! He just asked him, do you want to be made whole? The man was talking stories. Sir, I have no man to put me in the water. When an angel comes, da, 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 da. Rise! He rose. Take up your bed! He took up his bed. Walk. He walked. In one moment. In one moment. Why? Because of compassion. What the man had looked, he had looked for healing for 38 years. I don't know what you have been looking for for 38 years. I don't know what you have been looking for for 38 months. I don't know what you have been looking for for 38 weeks. I don't know what you have been looking for for 38 days. I don't know what you have been looking for for 38 minutes or 38 seconds. God will bring it to you in a moment. Only two people came to church. There was an account of a woman also, Matthew 15, 
who was looking for healing. Let me, let me wrap up this way. Now, what do I do? What do I do? I want God to collapse time in my favor. How do I position myself? Two things to do. Number one, walk by faith. Somebody say walk by faith. Now, faith is a higher law than time. In the realm of the spirit, God doesn't dwell in the realm of time. God is a faithful God. God walks by faith. Amen? That's why faith in God will get you anything done. In Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said, he answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Because faith will bring what you need into the now. In fact, faith is now. Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. You see, hope puts it in the future. Faith brings it into now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith brings it into right now. Faith is now. There is no faith for tomorrow. Faith is today. Faith is right now. I'm healed now. Somebody say, I'm healed right now. Say, I'm blessed right now. I'm delivered right now. You can't say, I shall be, I shall be delivered tomorrow. I, I shall be healed tomorrow. No! Faith is now. Now faith. Amen? Amen? Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. When do you believe you receive them? When you pray. When do you pray? Now. You can say, Lord, I'm praying now, but I believe I will receive it next week. Zero prayer. Faith is now. So faith collapses time. Pastor Fred, what do you mean? I'll give you two scenarios. In Matthew 15, there was a woman of the Syrophoenician nation from verse 22 all the way to 28. No time to read it. She came crying after disciples, asking Jesus for mercy because her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. And Jesus didn't answer her. The disciples said to him, Master, send this woman away now. She's bothering us. Answer her or send her away. He didn't answer them. He said, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman kept begging, Lord, have mercy on me. Then the Lord said to the woman, finally, he spoke to the woman. Healing is the children's bread. And you don't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She naked me, baby. If it were a typical African woman, Nigerian woman, what do you mean? You are calling me a dog? What kind of pastor are you? I even thought you were anointed. I thought you were a man of God. What? Pocket your anointing. Nonsense. But not this woman. The woman said, I may be a dog, but even the dogs partake of the crumbs that fall from their little master's tables. When you have a little boy who has a dog, as your boy is eating his meal, you know intentionally he'll be putting some. Bingo. Bingo will be licking it. I may be a dog, but at least let me partake of the crumbs. I know the children's bread is healing, but let me just take some crumbs. Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. Now, it was not yet her turn. So all of you, it is my turn, it is my turn. I see church programs now, it's my turn. People have no anointing again. They have no time to wait on the Holy Spirit because the politician said, it's my turn. Everybody is now turning it. Program, major program, it's my turn. It was not the turn of this woman. She was of the Syrophoenician nation. 
She was not a Jewish woman. And Jesus said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, when he came, first of all, primarily, his ministry was to, was to be to the Jews. Are you getting what I'm saying now? The Gentiles were to wait for their time. This woman was a Gentile. And she broke protocol. She broke into the ranks. Ah, it's not your turn. It's not your time. Paul picked it up in Romans chapter 1 from verses 16 and 17. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes. To the Jews first. And then to the Greeks. To the Jews first. To the Jews first. The gospel was to the Jews first. This woman was not a Jew. So it was not her time. It was not her time. But she was able to press in. To the point that Jesus acknowledged and said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Ah, I, I said, I wasn't sent to, to you guys yet. You, you said, no, I'm going to press it. I said, ah, healing is the children's bread. I, I'm, 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 we're not supposed to give it to dogs. Yet, you pressed in. Tenacious faith. The bulldog kind of faith. When a bulldog holds your leg, that leg is held. The nose of a bulldog is flat. God created it intentionally. So he can stay there with you. You are not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And he's still breathing. And he's breathing well. But you are not breathing well. When a bulldog latches onto a bone, you might need the services of people like Dr. Esther Ayomideoni to separate the dog from the bone. She's a vet doctor. They, they know what they do. But if you don't have that anointing and that training, now nah, not even the anointing, the training, plus by the mercy of God and be the anointing, you don't go near them. That's how we are supposed to be when we hold on to the promises of God. And nobody's going to take this from me. No devil. By the stripes of Jesus, I decree I am healed. And no devil is taking my healing from me. You're not taking this from me. The bulldog kind of faith. Jesus had to reckon, woman, be it unto you according to your faith. Your daughter is made whole. Sir, she went back home. She traveled back to her country. The same hour Jesus spoke, the daughter amended. She was free. It was not yet her time. So all the milokon, milokon, nonsense. It was not yet her time. Yet she pressed in by faith. So faith is higher than time. Faith can collapse time. Faith can tell time what time it is. I'll give you one more scenario. We close. John chapter 2. Jesus was with his disciples. There was a marriage in the Cana, or Cana of Galilee. Like I was at a marriage yesterday. Jesus was at a marriage. And disciples were there. They got invited. And they ran out of wine. What was his business with that? He came as a guest. He didn't come to do a miracle. The mother came to him and said, Yeshua. They've run out of wine. Am I, did I get the business, to, the contract to supply drinks? Uh-uh. Do something now. 
Ma'am, it's not yet my time. It's not yet. Ah. Jesus said so. He wasn't lying. How many of you believe that Jesus never lies? I do. I do believe that he never lies. So when he said, my hour is not yet come, he was talking about, it's not yet time. The mother didn't even argue. Oh, I love that woman. One of the most precious souls I would love to see in heaven. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ah, She just looked away from him. Guys, whatever I tells you to do, do it. I'll see you later. Just bring, don't forget to bring wine to my table. She just knew that this guy was going to do a miracle. Can you just trust God for your life? That this admission is settled. This scholarship is settled. This job is settled. Can you just believe God that your parents are going to come back together? They're going to be fine? Can you believe God for your business? Can you believe God for your health? Mary just walked away. He didn't stay there. Oh yeah, I'll do something now. No, he didn't even nag. She didn't nag. She just walked away. And the next moment, faith compelled him to do it. Fill the water pot with water. They did. Take it out. Go and give it to the governor. No prayer. No adding of sugar. No adding of saccharin. No waiting for the process of making wine from water that would be a natural miracle for water to turn to wine when you add a lot of things and wait for some time. No, none of that. He just spoke a word and water turned to wine. Now, that's the operation of the gift of walking of miracles. Bear and they bore the water that had turned to wine and they took it to the governor and the governor tasted it and said, what? Every man at the beginning of an event brings forth the best. And when men are drunk to stupor, then you bring out the inferior. But you have kept the best for the last. Isn't that the way God works? He keeps the best for the last. So the rest of this year will be the best of this year for you. It wasn't yet time. But faith placed a demand on him. Can you place a demand on God by faith? Faith collapses time. But number two thing I'll tell you to do. Number one is to walk by faith. Number two is to walk in love. You know why? Because your faith won't work without love. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circumcision availeth anything, but faith which worketh by love. When you say that you are walking by faith, you must be a person that loves God and loves people. You must love people. You must forgive. People will hurt you. They will hurt you so bad. They will take advantage of you. They will talk ill of you. You just have to keep your heart free by loving them. Send them an offering. Even though they've said nasty things about you, buy them a gift. Greet them on their birthday. Put their picture on your post, your status. All right? Send them prayers. Go on your knees and pray for them and say, Lord, one of the ways I easily forgive people when it's difficult, when it's most difficult for me, is to pray for them. When I'm able to get on my knees and say, Lord, bless him, bless his family, bless his kids, the natural me won't say, Lord, let him have an accident and just, don't let him die, but 
<laughs> let his legs, one of the legs just break so that he will learn to, 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 to adjust his mouth that is running haywire. But that's just the flesh. And God doesn't answer such prayers anyways. God is love. He doesn't want anybody to perish. So when you put on the nature of God and you go on your knees and say, Lord, please bless him. Keep him, Lord, from all evil. Bless his wife. Bless his children. Bless his business. Lord, I'm praying from my heart. Heal his sickness. Don't let him die. You know what you're doing? You are not just setting them free. You're setting yourself free. You're setting your heart free. As long as you hold people, look at me. When you clench your fist, can you receive anything? Can you receive anything? This way, you cannot. This is what it means to hold somebody in your heart. You're holding them. Every time you're keeping malice someone, you're not talking to them, you're not forgiving them. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, very legitimate reasons. But the moment you are able to say, Lord, I release them from my heart, I receive grace to do that. Zah. You let them go, and guess what? You are open now to receiving from God. Amen? I've seen this work time and time, and time again. Your faith will not work without love. You're a man of faith. You're a woman of faith. You need love. Like your car will not work without gasoline. Without gas, or what we call petrol, your car, even though it might be a 2022 brand new Toyota Prado, no feel in it, and it's not Tesla, no feel in it, it's not going to work. <laughs> Amen. Because in America now, and some other countries, well, I think we have maybe a couple of people that have Tesla in Nigeria. Nigerians are rich. I don't know where they get electricity from to charge it. <laughs> right? So, Tesla now, you don't need gas, but you need electric power to charge your battery. Or maybe solar, whatever. There is still a source somewhere. And if that source is cut off, that car ain't going nowhere, even though you bought it $200,000. Doesn't make any sense. Oh, my new Toyota Prado Jeep 2022. No gas. You're not going anywhere. Do you have a car? Yes, I do. But why is it not moving? No gas. Do you have faith? Yes, I do. I'm a man of faith. But why are you not making progress? No love. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Say with me, no love, no faith. No love, no faith. Faith works by love, like your car works by petrol. Have you been blessed this morning? Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's give him praise this morning. Hallelujah.